Blog Talk Radio. My partner and my friend on the other side, Nico Sagona. How you doing, Nico? Hey, hey, partner. How you doing? Super stoked to talk about this week and crazy week we had of fantasy football. All types of scoring and blowouts here and there, and closer games than we expected. And you know, different players are outperforming other players. So, going to have a, a lot of fun here. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, one of the things that was uh, surprising me that uh, we were talking about a little bit was. How bad a team Seattle Seahawks looked the first uh, four weeks, and then come this week, and they take the surprising dominant Rams all the way into overtime. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, on the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was crazy. Just like we were saying, like this is the first team that in all the games the Rams have played this year that has led the Rams in the fourth quarter. So the Rams finally had to come back. And they were doing so without uh, two of their three-headed monster at wide receiver, like we were talking about. Uh, Cooks and Cup were out with concussions, so it left Robert Woods in there. Um, obviously, they still have uh, Gurley. They still have Jared Goff, two, you know, superstar, top ten picks. Uh, but it was just, you know, it was interesting to see Seattle hang in there. And then also, Mike, it's been really interesting to see how the Rams have really missed the key to uh, to leave. Uh, you know, he's not snatching chains anymore. He's not he's not shutting down the receivers because. That uh, you know his ankle got really really messed up when they got rolled over. So just seeing how many more points the Rams are allowing fantasy wise has got to be a little uh, intriguing for us fantasy players because obviously what we're looking for is points. And so now that these guys yeah. have given up way more plays, and the Falcons, for instance, you know they got killed up the middle in the couple first couple of weeks of injuries, and now they're giving up a ton of points. So it's kind of strange, you know, just like you said, you know, the Seahawks looked absolutely awful, but now here they are, and they have three weeks in a row with a hundred yard rusher. Uh, how crazy is that, Dad? Yeah, that, that that's one thing that I, I really wouldn't expect it out of Seattle. And the fact that also Russell Wilson is having such a down year as well, it's sort of the opposite effect where you expect, especially if you're looking at the last few years without Marshawn Lynch, the running game being poor, but Russell Wilson being the star of that offense, now it's completely reversed. Yeah, Mike, and actually this is kind of sad, but in one of my leagues, I ended up uh, picking up Blake Bortles <clears throat> off the waivers, and I benched Russell Wilson, who I drafted way too high in my league. So I will admit that I, I took Russell. I'm a huge 49ers fan, but one of my five leagues, I had an opportunity to take Russell, and I said, you know what? 
They have no running backs. They're going to throw the ball all the time. I didn't really anticipate Doug Baldwin being this messed up this far into the season, but that's, you know, that's another excuse. Uh, but, you know, it was funny. I benched him for, uh, you know, I, I put in Blake Bortles. And, you know, Bortles looked terrible at first. In the first half, I was really scared about my decision. Then he ended up uh, throwing for 400 yards amongst as many interceptions uh, that he threw to the Chiefs. So uh, I ended up getting a lot of points out of Bortles, and that's kind of sad because when what world, you know, last year, if you had told me that you would, you know, bench Blake Bortles over Russell Wilson, you know, not even think twice about it, would you, you know, would you think that I'm insane? Yeah, exactly. That would just, uh, yeah, it would be, that wouldn't even have entered in an equation that's like, you know, <laughs> saying, what would you rather have, a, a beat-up 1964 truck or a brand-new Ferrari? You know, it just, well, the obvious answer is, of course, the Ferrari. And last year, Russell Wilson's a Ferrari. But yeah, and that, and it, you bring up another good point with Blake Bortles, and that sort of reversed where the Jaguars were all about Leonard Fournette and nothing to do. Blake Bortles was just a game manager. Now, without Fournette, it's total Blake Bortles show. So that that sort of reversed itself as well. Yeah, and it's crazy. TJ Yeldon in one of my PPR leagues, uh, he still was able to score 20-plus points against me. I think he put up almost 25. So Yeldon has been, you know, effective as a running back in the red zone and as a receiver out of the backfield to give Bortles a little checkdown option. Uh, so that was kind of funny. But, yeah, without Fournette, the Jags are a whole other animal. Like, they really depend on controlling the tempo, I think. So last year what we saw was them running the ball. And I don't have the stats on it, but I'm sure that they were controlling the ball for a long time, giving that fantastic defense time to rest and time to study. Now this year it seems like they're throwing the ball more often or their defense is getting back on the field quickly because Fournette has only been able to play in two of the five games this year. And on top of that, he's only played, I think, a half of each of game, right? I mean, I have him in my league, and he's gotten me all 12.5 PPR points and then a little bit less in our league that we play in with Fournette. Uh, so, I mean, he really hasn't got me anything, uh, which is, you know, obviously frustrating, but that hamstring is an issue. I mean, not to go off topic here, but Barry Bonds is, you know, taking uh, certain things to fix his hamstrings, right? It just shows you that in all sports, your hamstrings go, you're done. You know, you can't, you can't be productive without your hamstrings. So if Fournette isn't able to get back in the lineup in the next couple of weeks, then I think it's cause for concern because as a top 10 drafted player, maybe top 12 in some leagues, uh, you know, you want him to have more than 12 and a half points in week 10. Yeah, it's he's been definitely MIA. And that was one of the major concerns that people have had with him, even coming into the NFL, was looking back at his college game days and at LSU and his injuries that he accumulated during that time has now transferred into the NFL. And this year, it just is really bad. Um as you as you uh, stated in your text, he's only played two halves, you know, and that's just, you know, just you you just can't have that. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, he's missed yeah, like I say, he's missed three full games, and you know that's that's your top for you know, and when especially in fantasy football, for a lot of us that are dealing with injuries to our top running backs, when you draft a running back high, you're gonna go wide receiver heavy for the rest of the draft for probably the next two to three rounds in my opinion. 
Um, so a lot of us, I feel like, have a strong receiving core, but unfortunately we're really weak on running back. Because if you draft Fournette in the first, you know, the back end, or sorry, the very first pick of the second round maybe, and then you don't take a running back until maybe the fifth or sixth round, and then you're looking at, you know, guys like Marlon Mack, for instance, just like randomly reaching for guys like that, Richard Penny if he's available. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys that are there's Tevin Coleman. I took him in a, a late in one of my like, seventh round-ish in one of my leagues. And uh, that's another intriguing uh, guy we get into, Mike, with uh, Chadwick Coleman, Devontae Freeman. But still, you know, like I said, it's just tough when you draft a stud like Fournette that you expect to be a running back one and stabilize, you know, besides his bye week, just to stabilize your running back position. Because it looks like, you know, this year it's really tough running back and tight end position. I'm having a hell of a time on all of my leagues, and I've had to, you know, wheel and deal, make a ton of trades and make all these, you know, random pickups on the waiver wire and drop them and all these different things just to – you know, kind of help mitigate the losses of all of my position players at the running back and tight end position. Yeah, you know, and that, that's another thing, too, to, to think about. As as you mentioned, you know, you get these running backs early. Uh, Le'Veon Bell hasn't played a snap, uh, you know, and Leonard Fournette. And these guys, what, what do you do with, with um, players like Leonard Fournette going into next year obviously he'll still be a high draft I mean he's going to fall down a little bit probably into the second round but he's probably going to be still a top 12 running back uh, off the board do you go with a running back earlier than you normally would if you pick Fournette do you make that change or do you think you just need to avoid him completely coming going into next season you know, Mike, it's really tough because I've been burned by so many running back problems. Uh, I've drafted Le'Veon Bell, and boom, he gets hurt right away. Uh, I've avoided taking Le'Veon Bell because he, last year because he was in uh, the contract dispute and he wanted to sit out the preseason. I knew he'd come back a little bit slow. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll take David Johnson. Great idea, right? Boom, breaks his wrist in the third quarter of the first game. Like, fantastic. Uh, so, you know, these guys, like you guys that you think are just going to be your studs, you have to really be ready for injuries. And so I've drafted a lot of my teams try to get, okay, two really good quarterbacks or, you know, sleeper down there and get some load up on some really good receivers and then try to sell them high, you know, certain guys that I could use in the flex, sell them high, you know, in week three or week four when I need to realize, you know, after realizing how many, you know, what injuries I've done to my lineups. Because a lot of my lineups, I mean, I've had, I started Chris Carson one week and he was inactive, right? I, he just had a huge game for me that uh, the week before, I was like, sweet, roll with Chris Carson. They're going to run the ball with him, and he's a game-time decision in acting. Like, are you freaking kidding me, Pete Carroll? I hated you at USC. I hated you in Seattle when you kept beating my 49ers. And now you're going to mess with me and not freaking list him. Oh, I mean, I should have read the the notes that, you know, he was probably uh, not going to be in. Uh, But still, oh, my God, that just, you know, I was super frustrating because I, you know, I played a guy and he got zero points. He just sat on the bench. Yeah, those those are the most irritating things that I always find too. It's just, or or um, he's they're ready to go, and all of a sudden the the kickoff and the offense comes onto the field, and the running back isn't there, and you're like, okay, why isn't he on the starting team? What, what's happening? And then three plays later, the side reporter says, oh well, such and such got hurt during warmups and will not be in today he's going to be officially rolled out and you're just like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's frustrating even uh lamar miller i thought was declared out way too late for me for my liking Uh, i have one of my leagues uh, and i was trying to decide and i ended up making a stupid decision i picked up 
uh, DL Moose. Uh, I figured that you know, he'd be a good play against Buffalo. They scored you know, a good amount of points. Uh, so I DL Moose, and I benched. Uh, you know, I benched him, but oh, you know, it's just yeah, it's just annoying because yeah, Lamar Miller too. Like I said, you know, it's obvious his chest is messed up. They're talking a lot that he probably won't be able to play, but they didn't give them the definitive out. You know what I mean? They had the questionable. Uh, you know, kind of marker next to his name. And that's just when you see questionable in the NFL right now, you think, okay, you guys are going to take some pain pills and just power through because that's, you know, the stories that we hear. These guys are playing, playing through these ridiculous injuries. So, and, you know, you figure that the coach would help you out a little bit and rule them out. But you can't really expect on that because they don't give a damn about fantasy football. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's like the the least thing on, on their mind is is how your fantasy football team is doing. Yeah, I always find it interesting. Players that uh, actually play fantasy football is kind of interesting too. It's like, how do you mitigate that? You know, but whatever. Yeah, I'm a, that's got to be tough, right? You have a lot of bias, in my opinion. <laughs> so as we're we're so, talking about backfields, let's let's talk a little bit about Alvin Kamara. Oh, you read my mind, partner. All right, Alvin Kamara, last night. So, in one of my leagues, partner, the league that I'm the commissioner of, I am one in three. I got beat by my one of my best friends last week in a comeback fashion. He came back, beat me, I was pissed off. And then this week, I'm about to lose my buddy because he, my other best friend because Kamara is going to go off, right? Thank God for Mark Ingram. Thank God for Drew Brees wanting to, you know, break some records. I <laughs> just, oh, man. But. I did call this, Mike. I did I did text my buddy. I said, hey, man, I really think that, you know, I've been reading all these articles, and I really think that Kamara's not going to have that good of a game. I was just trying to get in his head. And obviously, I said a few more colorful words, but we're not going to repeat that here. But <laughs> um, if you look at last year's stats, partner, uh, Mark Ingram was getting the ball a ton inside the five-yard line. I mean, his touches inside the five-yard line compared to uh, Kamara's touches inside the five-yard line were astronomical. I don't, I don't have the exact stats on me, but – it was very, very favorable for Mark Ingram whenever they got inside the red zone, inside the five, right? So you still have hope that Kamara is going to be a PPR beast. Uh, you know, he's still going to be able to catch a ton of balls and be, you know, really effective on second and third downs when they want to be creative or throw him the ball and take advantage of a weak linebacker, not, you know, not playing properly or different, you know, safeties not lining up properly against him. And uh, it, the problem is that, like, is that he's touchdown dependent. And especially if you're not in a non-PPR league, now Kamara becomes really scary. Now I say you might want to trade him. For a PPR league, obviously hold him. He's the number one scorer. And he's tearing it up. Hopefully Mark Ingram and Andrew Brees don't still spotlight from him all the time. They're not going to be playing a porous uh, Redskins team. And, Mike, by the way, the Redskins, in my opinion, I was kind of pissed off at the Redskins. They had uh, two weeks, right? So they had the, they had the bye week. So basically they had almost two weeks to prepare for the freaking, um, what's it called, for this game, for this offense. And they just could not do it anything on defense a ton of penalties at the end um excuse me on third downs not the end but on third downs there's extended drives they're just you know uh, what happened norman uh, got benched or he was out of, I, I was trying to read the subtitles when i was watching the game um anyway it's just a weird game but uh, like i was saying for kamara it's really tough because if he you know if you're if you're really expecting him to get a lot of yards rushing and a lot of you know touchdown points for you in a non-ppr league i would say it's time to trade him because i don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score if the saints are able to a throw the ball like they did last night or b run so effectively with mark ingram early uh you know first and second down or inside the five yeah you know it's it's really interesting i I think next week will be a good, significant uh, tell on that. But you're also, if, if Kamara doesn't 
if their roles stay the same where Ingram gets whatever it was, 60% of the share or whatever the spec may be, you're obviously losing value in Kamara. But I don't know if it's too early to pull that trigger or not because it's it's still Alvin Kamara. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things where do you try to get the, the most value or do you just try to take a little off the top and be sure that the timeshare that Mark Ingram's going to get 60% and, Cal, and Alvin Kamara's going to get 40%. So we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. see what ends up happening there. Also, partner, to add on to that, um, I just looked it up to confirm. So the Saints have a bye week coming up right now. So I would say now is a great time to either A, so high on Ingram if you do have him and you want to just get, you know, if you need help at the quarterback or tight end position, I know a lot of my teams uh, need help on that. If you want to get rid of, you know, Ingram, if you drafted him and, you know, you, you feel comfortable with your running back situation, you can definitely do that. And if you have Kamara, I say, you know, even more so, maybe it's a good opportunity to try to see what you can get for him and any trade offers uh, before he plays another game. He'll have a week off, so uh, you have the bye week, so you can see, you know, you can wait it out a little bit if you want. But also, for that, you know, he's not going to be scoring you any points this week with a bye. And then on top of that, he's going to be scoring you way less points, in my opinion, with the way the Saints have been playing. Yeah, that's a good point. And the longer you wait on that, especially with the bye, the more – people forget because they get caught up between week to week that they forget about what kind of performances they're doing and what kind of time share they're getting. So two weeks down the road without a game played next week, then you're really starting to get those players out of the, out of owners' minds. And it'd be a lot harder to pull the trigger if, if you have one or the other. Exactly. And speaking of, uh, you know, different teams that are, all over the place. The Philadelphia Eagles, Mike, oh, my goodness. How, uh, how how ridiculous are they? Now, they're not all over the place like the Saints are. The Saints are you know, way, way better suited, I think. The Eagles, on the other hand, man, they're having quarterback uh, production problems. Now they just announced that Jay Jai tore his ACL and is out for the year. So, uh, that you know, that's crazy. Now, here's a few things to throw at you, partner. So, they just uh, they restructured uh, Fletcher Cox's contract. So they're able to clear up $6.5 million in cap space this week, I believe. And then on top of that, there were reports that they were, A, not interested in Le'Veon Bell because the asking price is way too high and he's a free agent next year and probably going to bounce. And then, B, they're more interested in trading for LaShawn McCoy of the Buffalo Bills and bringing him back to Philadelphia. What do you think about that? Yeah, that'd be really interesting. I bet Shady would love to get out of Buffalo. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean that team is just dog, you know, crap Ola. So uh, to go to you know a, a much better team would probably be a big relief on him, considering the fact that the Bills aren't going to go anywhere for a long time, and his career is coming up to a short end soon, being thirty-one or whatever he is now. So yeah, I think he'd be all over that. Yeah, I mean, to think about it for Shady, does he? do you think that LaShawn McCoy can outlast Tom Brady? So that's just a realistic question. When you're in that division, right, you have to think about what can I, what, you know, what can I do? By that time, maybe Sam Darnold finally learned not how to turn the ball over and the Jets are a pretty damn good team and the defense has figured it out, right? Maybe by then the Dolphins have finally rebuilt and then something happens, right? So for the Bills on this end where they have a very, very young and inexperienced quarterback that they threw into the fire way too early for my liking, uh, you know, they have to really look at that. Now, for LaShawn McCoy's, uh, you know, 
perfect. Like, like you're saying, I think it's time for him. Yeah, if he could go to a team and get another chance at the playoffs, that would be absolutely awesome. And speaking of the playoffs, the Philadelphia Eagles are sitting at two and three. Uh, they are half a game behind the Redskins. Last night with their loss, dropping the two and two. So the Eagles only half a game out of first place in a very weak division. I think Dallas is going to be played out, and they're going to uh, start looking a lot worse as the weeks go on. And I think that the Giants just cannot figure it out. I mean. What was with Odo Beckham Jr.? I mean, that didn't hurt us in fantasy, Mike, but he, you know, I think he went to go, like, just throw a cheap shot block at some guy and a punt, and the ball was in, like, the five-yard line, and then he kicked, he knocks him, and the ball hits, I don't know if the ball hit off him, and then his teammate tried to recover it, and then the Panthers were able to fall in it for a touchdown and just totally change everything. Um, and then what happened? I think Sterling Shepard, who I started in our league, Mike, and he did not much for me, uh, he tried to attack the bench, and uh, Odo Beckham Jr. had to go calm him down and restrain him after – Odo Beckham Jr. last year is the one who was fighting a net. So uh, the Giants just seem to be all all over the place. But, um, you know, speaking of the Philadelphia backfield, sorry, short story long, uh, assuming nothing happens, Mike, right now it looks like Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and this Darren but I don't know, is Darren Spoles going to be back anytime soon? But I know it would be Smallwood and Clement that would be getting the majority of the looks. And with Carson Wentz struggling in the pass game, do you think those guys are going to be valuable? Yeah, you know, it. I, I definitely think that they the backfield uh, offers something. So whether I, you know, I'm worried about Smallwood. He does a lot of good things on the field, but he's like Darren Sproles, where he's just too small, and it's going to get end up getting hurt. And so in, I think if he's out there, game. yeah, you know, you, you, you to grab him. But you know, I think Corey Clement is probably the guy you want to own of the two. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, Mike, let's talk about the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are out here to a roaring 5-0 and start. To be honest, I did not think they would beat the Jags. I thought this would be their first loss of the year. Uh, it was the first something of the year in a negative way where it was Patrick Mahomes' first interception of the year, Mike. Uh, he finally, finally, finally threw to the wrong team, which is, you know, we all expected a lot earlier with his gunslinger type approach and the fact that he threw like what, like five interceptions in practice one day uh, in spring, uh, in the spring practices. And that was when Andy Reid said, "Hey, we want this guy to be throwing interceptions. We want him to be aggressive. We want him to learn how to be a gunslinger." And sure enough, look at him, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Now, Mike, I'm going to be a little, you know, a little braggy here. I did draft him in the very last pick of the league that I am the commissioner of. Uh, so that was very helpful because I, asked, I also drafted Jarek McKinnon way too early, and then he got hurt. I drafted Aaron Rodgers way too early, and that didn't work out well. So I was able to turn Patrick Mahomes into overall Zach Ertz. I added, you know, Sam a couple other players together, but we were able to get Zach Ertz out of Patrick Mahomes. So I got the very last pick, and then I could play Rodgers without, you know, without having any trepidation or trepidation or fear there. Um, but, you know, it was just uh, it was interesting to see. And Mahomes against that Jag secondary, like I expected, didn't play that well. He actually ended up scoring in my PPR league. Uh, I don't know if our scoring is a little different than the current the one you and I use, but he scored about 15.6 points, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, which was funny because my buddy had – I forgot who he had on the bench. He had a terrible quarterback on the bench, and he outplayed him. Uh, so I wanted to make fun of him. But I decided not to jinx it with Alvin Kamara looming in the Monday night showdown. But, yeah, you know, uh, Mahomes, I think, is just an absolute, you know, fire thrower. His arm is, is cannon. He is – I mean, I think he throws just as hard as Colin Kaepernick, partner. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, both of them have, have a rocket arm. There, There's no doubt about that. It, yeah, I, I mean, I, if 
Yeah, it, it's definitely up there. So whether who throws it who throws it harder, I don't know, but both of them, I, I would not want to catch a pass from. No, I mean Kaepernick to go off a uh, little tangent here. Kaepernick actually he sprained or broke Randy Moss's finger in the very first game he started a Monday Night Football game against uh, Chicago Bears on the, in, in Chicago on Monday Night Football primetime. Kaepernick comes in just throws an absolute missile. I think it was in the end zone. I remember I was like, damn. Why didn't Randy Moss catch that? Like, this guy's a beast. And then you hear later that it actually broke or sprained his finger. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Mahomes, who actually is giving uh, current fantasy points for us, uh, you know, he has really raised uh, the level of production for fantasy players for the Chiefs offense. You know, Kelsey, Hill, Hunt, Sammy Watkins, all these guys have started to be, you know, beneficiaries of Patrick Mahomes and electric talent. Um, Kelsey, I have in one of my leagues. I, he's fantastic. He's always one of the top tight ends of the week. Uh, last week, I think he scored me PPR points from like 15. And I was actually disappointed. I was like, oh, that's it. But you got to remember, I was against the Jacksonville Jags, and they had a couple of weird. Um, you got to remember, too, on defense, when something weird happens in a, in a game, it really could skew fantasy. So, partner in this game, uh, Blake Bortles threw this god awful screen pass that just went two feet to the. Kansas City rushing lineman who just grabbed the ball and rumbled into the end zone for a uh, pick six. Yeah. And so right then, then Kansas City had points scored that were not fantasy points whatsoever for any of their offensive players, and it gave them an even bigger lead, which, which let them kind of take their foot off the pedal a little bit more, which is kind of scary. So you have to be you have to be wary of those things. So that does kind of suck, but that's just you know that's going to happen. Um, I think that Kareem Hunt's uh, value is you know still good. But if you're looking to trade, perhaps consider trading him. You know, try to get a, a team that's kind of, you know, on the bottom end of the standings and try to see if you use a flashy name to get the, you know, really good receiver out of them or maybe a good tight end if you need help right there. Uh, I know tight end's been absolutely awful partner. We'll talk about that after this. Um, and then, obviously, Tyreek Hill. Uh, he was Tyreek Hill. The Cheetah was matched up against Jalen Ramsey this week. So that was obviously a, a very scary, um, you know, play for me. But he did get me 14.5 points, I believe. Uh, the huge 50-yard catch, I think, that was very nice. But other than that, there wasn't very much uh, going on there against one of the league's top shutdown cornerbacks. Now, partner, let's talk about tight end because it is driving me absolutely insane. I drafted Doyle uh, from your Colts uh, in a couple of my leagues. I even named my team Doyle Rules. I'm going to give out a little Adam Stanley shout-out. But um, <laughs> And that just absolutely shot me in the foot, right, the name and the team. Um, I, I, was, I was able to trade for Zach Ertz, luckily. Uh, one of my leagues I've been playing, Vance McDonald, who got me a solid zero points this week. Uh, I, I played uh, Will Disley, and then he just got obliterated. Uh, who else did I grab? Some other just god-awful guys. I don't know. But, yeah, partner, I mean, we'll talk about some streamers. I think Cameron Brake coming up uh, with Jameis Winston, you know, being Jameis' favorite target. And with O.J. Howard being out, that's a good play. But before we get on to that, Jared Doyle on your Colts, man, oh, man, driving me crazy. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of upsetting to see him so banged up. I I don't really know what the extent of his injury is. I keep waiting for him to come back, and each week he's listed as out. So it's, it's one of those things where he's – a talented tight end. He gets targeted a lot, uh, and especially in the in the red zone area. But if he's not on the field, he's just not going to do you any good. So I think the best thing to do is just hold and wait and to see exactly when he's going to come back. I'm sure he's going to come back soon. Is not he's not on IR or anything. But with 
very little tight end uh, availability on the waiver wire. Uh, maybe Cameron Brake's out there. I don't know, but you, you, it's hard because just tight ends aren't doing anything in fantasy football this year outside of Travis Kelsey. Even Rob Gronkowski is not having a Gronkowski-type season. So it, it's just one of those yeah. years where tight ends are pretty much putting up zero points. Yeah, my little cousin, uh, to add to your point, partner, my little cousin was calling me last night and complaining. He was like, dude, you know, I want to trade Gronkowski and try to get, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Julio Jones and just try to get, like, some of these guys because he said, dude, Gronk really hasn't gotten much for me. I mean, he hasn't gotten, I don't think, above 15 PPR points. Uh, he may, I forgot, he may have one touchdown from the first game, I think, but then that hasn't scored. Uh, so they're really worried about that. And then the way that New, uh, New England's offense seems to be, you know, moving along without Gronk, uh, not saying that they've totally forgotten about Gronk, but maybe Gronk is the one drawing way more attention from the safeties and certain linebackers, you know, going to, you know, go there and go up. And they have to, you know, worry about Gronk real quick to, you know, kind of jam him up the line that is opening the, you know, throwing pass for, you know, different guys like James White, who did a fantastic job for me last week, got me 21 and a half points, I think, uh, on Thursday night. And I was just loving that because in that league, I had terrible running back to, uh, production. I was actually, partner, able to trade. This is a, a, ter- this is a pretty messed up trade, but one of one of my leagues, someone offered me, uh, I don't think they've really played fantasy football before. You'll hear why. But they offered me James White, the running back of the New England Patriots, and Le'Veon Bell, Mr. Not Playing, but also one of the best running backs I've ever seen on the Steelers, for Jay Ajayi, who just uh, – it is before he tore his ACL. So last week was Jay Ajayi and Boyd, the super awesome cover story from uh, – yeah, Tyler Boyd from uh, Cincinnati. So and that was, so basically a running back that I was, you know, never really playing because he kept being hurt. And then a guy I picked up on the waivers, I turned into two starting running backs. And now I have Joe Mixon as well in there so I could really get creative and try to trade and try to get some help for my Russell Wilson issue at quarterback. Yeah, that sounds like – yeah, I, I like the way you're you're thinking there. That, you know, and now you're going to be able to definitely open up things and not really take a hit if – you know, you you need to get an upgrade in quarterback, but you're getting lesser value um, with with your bench players and your starters. You won't you won't lose as much, but you'll gain something in return with with getting a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. You know, I'm I don't know if he's going to turn it around this year or not. Though I think a lot of that has to depend on Doug Baldwin, but it looks like they're just bent on the running game there. So. Yeah, I think if you can get rid of Russell Wilson, you're going to be pr- pretty pretty good there. Yeah, Barnett, because, I mean, if you look at it, they have, like I said, three games in a row with 100-yard rushes. And then last game, the problem was Chris Carson was the one that rushed, I think, for 100 yards. But it was um, – uh, who was the who was the poacher? There's um, Mike, Mike Davis. Mike Davis is the one who scored a touchdown, right? He's the one that scored. So it was just like, oh, man, like, who do you play? Do you play the guy that can get you, like, maybe nine points just off of rushing yards? Or are you going to play the guy that may or may not get you maybe, you know, seven to 12 points because you have one touchdown, right? So it's really, uh, man, it's difficult. But the the thing that I'm trying – I guess the thing I meant to say or was trying to hit to was that Russell Wilson having that, you know, production from his running backs and seeing Rashad Penny still not performing like the first rounder they expected him to be, uh, it just kind of goes to show me that it's, there might be a possibility that, yeah, you're right, he doesn't turn around, and Russell Wilson ends up being one of the bigger busts this year. 
Uh, now, as a 49er, I kind of like that, but you know, he's a great person, I think, and fantasy football-wise, I need him to perform. So uh, I'm kind of hoping he turns it around, but it does look a little bleak. Uh, to be honest. So we're going to see how that goes. So, partner, let's talk about the Steelers running back situation for all of our fantasy players out there. Uh, I'm one of the lucky guys. I was able to get James Conner in one of my leagues, and he's just been absolutely tearing it up for me. Uh, he just dropped 34.5 points last night in PPR. Uh, sorry, last, this last Sunday in PPR points uh, for me. So that was a huge, huge welcome addition for a guy that I picked up off the waivers after week one. Uh, I don't think a lot of us thought that Le'Veon Bell would sit out this long. Actually, I know for a fact that all of us didn't think Le'Veon would sit out that well this long. Uh, so, you know, for us to be able to go and get, you know, James Conner off the waiver wire and get lucky, it really has paid dividends. Now, when, you know, Le'Veon Bell inevitably comes back uh, from this little, you know, social justice stand he has against the – or not social justice, sorry, but like the justice stand he has against the stupid – stupidity of the non-guaranteed contracts. I mean, these, these football contracts with non-guaranteed money is scary as hell. These players getting beat up. Le'Veon's getting, you know, 300-plus, 400 touches a year. This guy's getting destroyed and not getting paid guaranteed money. So you just understand why he's, you know, scared about it, partner. But the reports are he's going to come back around week seven or week eight-ish. I think they have a bye week around there. Um, he's going to come back right after that and be, you know, hope to be productive. Now, I think personally that the Steelers are going to use the hell out of him and try to save James Conner. Uh, James Conner is the running back of the future. He's proven to be quite productive. I mean, he did uh, lose them a win. They didn't lose the game. They tied against the Browns, but he did lose them a win with a you know, rookie-like fumble uh, in the red zone when they are marching. But um, when Le'Veon comes back, partner, what the hell do we make of his backfield? Do you drop Conner? Do you trade Conner? Do you play Le'Veon Bell without any hesitation? I mean, are the Steelers going to punish him and not you know, play him that much or not block for him as well? I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, I I think that the Steelers, when Le'Veon comes back, they're going to use the just use the hell out of him. He's he's gonna every situation they can get into that they can use, they're gonna put him in just because he's he's basically wasted product for them, and he knows it. That's what one of the reasons, uh, as you were saying, that he's nervous about signing because they know that he's not gonna be part of the team next year, and they're just gonna use the heck out of him. So. If I'm going to be used, you know, like a used wash rag, then, you know, why am I risking my body without any kind of guarantee? And, you know, I don't blame him one bit on on any of that. I know that I, if I was a super stud like that, I probably wouldn't go in either because I know even if I hold out the whole entire season that I'm going to get a fat contract come next year. And why why tear my ACL or – or, you know, some other damage to a body part that I might not come back from. Um, so it's the, the thing is there is if you're in a redraft, I say keep, keep Le'Veon, tra- trade Connor, because I don't think Connor's going to be used much at all it, when Le'Veon comes back. Uh, if you're in a dynasty, then you definitely want to keep Connor and, because Le'Veon is – probably not going to come back after this year. So it depends on exactly what format you're used. Um, either Connor for Dynasty, uh, Le'Veon for Redraft. And partner, I'm trying to envision a backfield where they have both of those backs, you know, on opposite sides of Big Ben, maybe in like shotgun formation and third down just to add a little wrinkle. But 
I don't know. I mean, it seems with the Steelers, I mean, they have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster who are just absolutely tearing it up. I mean, those guys are ridiculous, right? I mean, Antonio Brown for me, the lowest he scored is about 15.7. One game and the highest he had was his last week where he had 28.1 points. Uh, So, you know, he's tearing it up. Juju obviously is just having a fantastic season, way better than a lot of us expected. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't really, yeah, and I can't really envision a backfield of both of them back there. Or, you know, uh, I don't really, I, I don't know, maybe, yeah, uh, like you said, I really think that Le'Veon Bell is going to get, you know, used and you know, get a ton, a ton of touches with that football. So he's going to be a guy that you want to get. So, you know, perhaps you could try trading for him in some leagues. I have. Uh, I got him, and I'm pretty excited. Uh, perhaps you could try trading away James Conner. I have him currently, and I'm not going to, to be honest, because I have a very weak running back situation. So I need to ride out this James Conner little uh, streak here until I can figure out some other waiver wire additions or maybe we'll deal a trade later on. Um, but, you know, this is a crucial point of a lot of our fantasy seasons. So, so I think for me, a lot of my fantasy playoffs start in week 13 and week 14. Uh, so that's really when you want to get started. You know, you really want your team to get momentum weeks nine through, you know, nine all the way through. So I'm trying to set my team up and try to see, you know, okay, where am I sitting? How am I looking? You know, do I need to upgrade, you know, quarterback position? Do I have a lot of guys? So a lot, another thing too for us, our fantasy listeners out there, partner, that I would recommend is don't hang on to too many wide receivers that are scoring a ton of points on your bench, if that makes sense. So I have uh, Demarius Thomas on the bench for me you know he of the Denver Broncos he's had a ton of drops Case Keenum really hasn't favored him that much until as of late uh but he wasn't favoring him as much as he was Emmanuel Sanders where it seemed uh, Sanders was giving him better looks and better catch production uh in the slot so uh I have Thomas on the bench in a couple of my leagues and some you know he's the third receiver I drafted uh in some of those and so you know guys like that he just went off last week of course when I had him on the bench for the first time uh but those are the type of guys that you could start looking around and maybe you can start trading you know if you have uh if you're lucky to get Boyd you know and you have him you know able to or maybe Kenny Galladay I got really lucky with drafting Kenny Galladay super late um just you know reading about how he's going to be you know, huge bodies and you know kind of take away the touchdowns that Marvin Jones was scoring all last year and sure enough it looks like he is that guy that you know is really favored by Matthew Stafford uh, but, yeah, these are all trade ideas you know you could think about because as we head in more to crunch time where you know, you're starting to get ready for the playoff season and the playoff push, uh, you really want to make sure your team is full and set. You don't have a hole at quarterback. You don't have a hole at tight end. You know, or, you know, I understand streaming kickers and defenses. I do that all the time. Uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure that your bench isn't scoring too many points because that's a sign that you could definitely upgrade weaker positions that have been decimated by injuries this year. Yeah, exactly, and, and those are the kind of players that are very key. And don't feel too bad about Demarius Thomas. I did the same exact thing last week as well. I actually I had him in my lineup all the way up to I think Saturday night. Uh, and <laughs> <Me too>. <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bench him. You know, I'm, I'm tired of waiting for him to do anything. Right, I played Golden Tate, and Golden Tate only had nine PPR points, which is very disappointing for me. So I was kind of bummed out there. Well, Thomas, I was scoring by twelve points. <laughs> and those are just so hard to look at, especially in in a. I don't know if you lost, but yeah, I did. Um, my my team on on where I have him is is the worst team I've ever had in all of my fantasy football career, dating now what twenty eight years. This is the worst team I've ever had. 
Uh, is it has it been injuries or just bad picks? What would it have been, partner? It's bad been luck. horrible picks. Just just players that <laughs> I I thought were going to do well just haven't done anything, and it's just a very sad sad team. Yeah, and those are, and those are the ones that are tough. So you know maybe you could start being a spoiler. Uh, you could be the guy you know out there beating the teams and kind of getting back you know try to make your impact on the playoffs any way you can. And that's another thing uh, for all of our players out there. Uh, I have, you know, I won some games in one of my leagues, and this guy had two guys that were inactive in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, it was kind of it was kind of annoying. You know what I mean? Like you want to – obviously yeah. I wanted to win, and I was very happy. It was a $100 buy-in, so hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, I'll take the win. Um, but you get the point that, you know, it, it's kind of like, hey, you know, I want you to compete against me, dude. Like you, you should know Leonard Fournette's been out all week in one of those games, you know, or like just something – and he had another guy too. Like a tight end has been out all week. I'm like, all right, bro. Like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna play like that. I mean, okay. So you know, he had a one hand tied behind his back, and I was able to beat him. But uh, you know, always try to give out your best lineup. Always try to put out your best effort because even if you don't really care, if you don't think you're gonna make the playoffs, you could still have an impact on the playoffs, and other people in the league would definitely appreciate it and respect it, and they'll invite you back next year. Yeah, exactly. That that's the worst. I mean, especially in redraft leagues. In dynasty leagues, there's teams do tank. Um, that that's part of the the process. It's not really accepted, but we understand it. Um, in redraft leagues, there's no excuse for for not paying attention. If you, it, yeah. So people like that gone. I mean, uh, you know, if we had someone like that in our league, gone. There there would not be any any uh second thought about that if if that was you know i can understand it one time but when it becomes obvious that they're not paying attention or and not knowing like you said with leonard Fournette, those kind of situations then yeah it, it just hurts the rest of the league like you said and you can't just have that kind of ownership when um yeah other teams are trying their hardest to to get to that playoff spot yeah exactly now, speaking of the playoffs, partner, the Bengals at 4-1 and one are in first place. What in the world? Now, we all know they're going to lose the first game of the playoffs, so don't worry about that. Right. But still, you know, hey, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive that they've, you know, gotten off to such a fantastic start. And may I say that the Red Rock, is it called, was it Red Rifle? I'm going to say the Red Rockets, so that's another mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> so Red, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, has been playing a lot better than, you know, people expected. He's a guy that, you know, used to be laughable, but now he's a guy that, you know, if you draft him in the back end or if you kind of use him as a, um, a streaming option, depending against the defense he's playing against, you know, it seems like he's been pretty productive. Uh, obviously, he has A.J. Green, who's been incredibly productive for me this year, besides his little groin injury. Uh, I think it was last week where he had a grand injury and kind of was uh, put out for the rest of the half. Uh, Joe uh, Mixon just came back and it was a great timing partner because I was bouncing all over the place. I had Mixon in one of my leagues, and then I had Giovanni Bernard picked up off the waivers in two of my leagues after Mixon got hurt. And then right when they say that Bernard's going to be out for two to four weeks, boom, Mixon comes back to you know an empty, you know pretty much his own backfield. And that worked out pretty well for me. Mixon did a fantastic job in my opinion. And, of course, like we were talking about earlier, is Boyd. Uh, Boyd has been my favorite wave wire pickup uh, in three of my leagues. I've turned him in him and John Brown. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I drafted John Brown in the end, but he was always one of my later picks. But, yeah, 
Tyler Boyd, uh, the wide receiver, has been absolutely fantastic. You know, he's just, he was the guy scoring a lot of touchdowns, and especially if A.J. Green's going to be suffering from his groin injury or different, you know, ailments or double teams, uh, he, Boyd, is the one that is going to be getting a ton of looks. You know, I, I have a I have a story about Tyler Boyd, and uh, it dates back oh, to yeah. two, two years ago when he was a rookie. I uh, – I drafted him and he was, he wasn't bad. You know, he, he did some good things, but overall he was a rookie and just, you know, was an average ball player. He, he, I don't think he ever cracked my starting lineup. Then last year happened and they drafted John Ross and Tyler Boyd became a Mr. Disappearing Act. And I was so glad that I didn't draft him that year. Come this year, I stayed away from him again and because of John <laughs> And now he's a super stud. So I was two years early on Tyler Boyd, and now I regret it. <laughs> I know. Isn't it funny how that happens sometimes? I always um, – yeah, that always gets me – comes back and bites me ass when you guys figure it out a couple of years in. You're like, ah, oh, I've been drafting him way too many years. And then the one year you don't draft the guy, that's the year. That's the year they decide to go awful. off. But – yeah, right. Yeah. That's that oh, life. So, partner, uh, speaking it. of you know, dra- I was gonna say, speaking of drafting guys and hoping they go off, I drafted uh, Mr. Aaron Jones, he of the uh, Green Bay Packers. I almost said Minnesota Packers. I was gonna be like the Buffalo Bills, who didn't know which state they're traveling to. Uh, did you see that, partner? By chance, uh, that tweet or whatever the social media mishap by the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago? No, I, I must have missed it. They. They were going, they, um, they're like, I think it was Instagram or it was Instagram or Twitter was showing the amount of travel they were doing that, you know, Buffalo had to travel somewhere else. And then boom, they were flying to uh, Minnesota and they said, you know, they, they said they point, um, they ended their plane and it said uh, going to Wisconsin and Minnesota, the Vikings official Twitter page said, Oh, where are the other, where's the other state over here or something hilarious like that. And it was just so bad because the bills are like literally just got obliterated. It looked awful. And then they can't even know what state they're, or they know what state they're going to. They're a week early because I think they went to the Packers the next week. Well, the funny thing is actually that they went and they beat the Vi- they beat the crap out of Vikings. But I guess looking back on that, it's not as not as bad. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Speaking of Aaron Jones, um, you know I knew that he was going to be suspended the first two games. Right, I believe he took uh, performance enhancing drugs, so they suspended him for two games to start the season. I was okay with that, and I was okay with him. Uh, you know, being slowly integrated back into the offense just in case Ty Montgomery or Jamal Williams happened to go off. Now, neither of them have been that productive, but, Mike, as of late, they've been playing more than Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones is obviously the more electric and explosive running back out of the three, but he was outsnapped by both of them in last week, uh, last this past Sunday's game. And that was very, very disappointing for people like me that started him and expected at least 12 to 13, you know, 12 to 15 points, excuse me, out of him. And I believe he dropped a solid, you know, six burger on me. Uh, I don't know. I forgot what it was. It was a very, he was the lowest score of my fantasy lineup. Yeah. You know, those things just happen. You know, you're not expecting it. And then all of a sudden it happens. And, you know, I don't know what to do with those things, but, you know, it's, I guess that's why they call it fantasy football. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. All, all up there. I mean, obviously, game flow had something to do with it. The Packers were getting absolutely destroyed by the Lions, and they couldn't make a field goal. Good God. 
I don't know if you caught any of that, partner, but Mason Crosby, I believe, missed five field goals or four field goals and an extra point, and then he finally hit like a sixty-three yard or fifty fifty-three yarder as time expired, something like that. But it was it was brutal. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. it was bad. They lost the game by eight points, and he left, I think, at least ten to thirteen points on the board, just missing. I mean, he missed. He shanked. He. Shanked one from 40, then he pushed it wide right, or wide, or sorry, he hooked it wide left, then he pushed one right off the uh, upright uh, from pretty close up, and then he just straight shanked a first, uh, sorry, a fourth and goal, so super close inside the 10-yard line, and then missed another one, and finally, as time was expiring, they're down by 11, so they're okay, kick a field goal, and then, of course, the field goal, it took so long to get the field goal off that uh, they didn't have any more time, so that's how they finished by down eight. But yeah, he missed a ton. It was looking brutal. Aaron Rodgers wow. was doing the best he could. There was a ton of drops, a ton of missed opportunities, and the Packers, you know, so maybe that's a big reason why Aaron Jones wasn't getting more production. But yeah, it was a, that was a rough, rough game to watch. Uh, Devontae Adams, though, partner, he is just absolutely killing it. I love him. He's out of Fresno State. Uh, he went to Pali High School, which is right in Palo Alto, by where I grew up. A lot of fun, you know, hearing about these local guys, you know, tearing it up, Jock Peterson for the Dodgers, uh, you know, other guys amongst there. But anyway, um, you know, he, Devontae Adams, I drafted him with a certainty that Aaron Rodgers would be forcing him the ball. Uh, now with Jordy Nelson for sure gone, Randall Cobb kind of an afterthought, and Jimmy Graham more of a kind of decoy or touchdown, or sorry, a red zone uh, dependent receiver. I really thought that, you know, as long as Geronimo Allison didn't go too off, which he has been a couple weeks, uh, I thought that, you know, Adams would be the only guy to throw to basically. So in some ways I've been right. You know, Rodgers has been really favoring Adams and Adams is killing it for me and helping me out here a lot with uh, keeping these games close at least or helping me win. Uh, so, you know, is this a, is this a fancy thing that, partner, you, are you liking the Packers? I mean, I know they had a weird game, but are you still liking the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, and then the, I know the running back's a mess, but I, I still think that these guys are going to be playoff contenders and going to be giving it their all every single game. Yeah, you know, I I, I really like it. I, Devontae Adams is someone that I've had my eye on since Fresno State. Him him and Carr were the hookup at, yep. at that time. So um, he's finally gotten his gotten to the number one role, and he's shown that most importantly, he can handle that number one role, which a lot of players can't. A lot of wide receivers come up, you know, they start off with a third third wide receiver, move up to two, and then go up to one, and you're like, no, nah, no, you're you're just not a number one guy. But Devontae Adams definitely is. It, that wide receiver crew is, is sort of banged up. Uh, Randall Cobb, of course, he has a hamstring, but he hasn't really done anything anyway. And then Geronimo Allison has a concussion, so that's something to, to monitor. If you're looking to pick up somebody from the Packers, uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling might be someone yes. to look up um, as as a quick replacement or someone that might come on later for you during, uh, during the season. Partner, someone, uh, the way someone described it to me, they're like, dude, who's that guy in the Packers that keeps scoring all those points? They're like, who, I was like, who are you talking about? Like, the guy – with a sentence for a last name. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I see his jersey. I'm like, holy crap, that makes sense. Uh, it was freaking hilarious. Uh, kind of off topic, but one of the funniest, you know, uh, back the last names on the back of the jersey I've ever seen was this guy, a catcher that used to catch for the Red Sox and the Rangers. Uh, I think it was Sal Talamakia. I don't know if you remember him, partner. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, his 
Southall Mafia was like, I forgot, like 14 plus letters. And uh, when I went to a Giants game when they were playing the Giants, it was literally a rainbow. It, like it started like at one, you know, like back blade, and then it, like rainbowed up around his, you know, up around his shoulders, and then back down. There's only so much room you could have, you know. So, so it's kind of funny yeah. on the Packers, you know, he's not, it's not a rainbow, it's just tiny print, right? So for, for his last name, it's just tiny, tiny print. All right, partner, let's talk about your Colts real quick. Um, I want to talk about the two uh, real quick. Uh, I want to talk about Hines and Chester Rogers. Those are two guys that I picked up um, in three of my leagues. I picked up, you know, one or one or the other. Uh, and I was able – I played Hines, and he did pretty well for me. I was really happy, 17 PPR points against the Patriots, uh, who have been more uh, friendly on fantasy than I expected this year. Uh, and then Chester Rogers with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I think T.Y. Hilton was out as well as Jared Doyle. So it was pretty much just Rogers, uh, Ebron, and I forgot there's one more receiver that you guys have on the outside. But, uh, you know, what do you make of these guys, and are they uh, still worth being rostered once T.Y. Hilton and the Colts get healthy? Yeah, you know, it, they have Ryan Grant, the number two, and then Rogers is Grant. their number three. Yeah, I, I think that Rogers' value is someone that you would hold for because you're not going to get any kind of trade value out of him. But yeah. he he has definitely value when there's injuries uh, up ahead of him. He's he's someone that that I like quite a bit, and hoping that he'll get his opportunity. Uh, he he almost got it last year. He was going to be the number two receiver last year, but ended up uh, getting injured and it kind of wiped out that opportunity for him. And then they brought Ryan Grant over this year, and Grant sort of had the number two role. So uh, without an injury above him, he's sort of just the number three receiver, and obviously he's not going to get much playing time. But anytime there's a good matchup, and if Hilton's out, then, yeah, I think Rodgers is a great play. Uh, Also, Ebron, um, with Doyle out, has shown that he's, you know, somewhat valuable as well. So those guys are, are definitely worth worth rostering and playing given the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we only have about seven more minutes here or so, partner. So I just want to talk about a few more teams. They all they both start with A's. So they have not been doing A uh, quality work, though, on the season. So first we'll start off with a more intriguing team in Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons are an absolute disaster on defense, partner. Now, obviously, they lost uh, their safety. They lost a couple of linemen. I think they lost someone else up the middle as a linebacker. I don't know if it was a, a linebacker or another DB, but they've just been rabbied by injuries on the defensive side, and they've been giving up a ton of points. Now, for fantasy football, that actually works out in our favor because that means they're usually going to be down more often than not and having to throw the ball a lot around the place and try to score quick tempo touchdowns, which lead to more fantasy points. Now, with that being said, I am worried about the value of A, Mr. Devontae Freeman, uh, when he, now that he is back, and B, subsequently, Tevin Coleman. So does Tevin Coleman have more value now that they're going to be passing a lot because Tevin Coleman is more of the third down back, in my opinion, with that will be catching the ball out of the backfield. So is Tevin Coleman going to be more valuable and used more in these sets because Atlanta seems like they can't stop anybody. Usually they're scoring a lot of points as well, but this last week they only scored 14 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Steelers aren't the greatest defense in the world. It's not the steel curtain, uh, but still they are, right. you know, they are, you know, so they are so, 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 you know, it's something to look about. At look at, excuse me, because Julio Jones has zero touchdowns this year, partner. What the hell? Julio Jones is an absolute monster, one of the most talented receivers I've seen in the last 10 years. 
and I think you probably can agree with that, with that, excuse me, and he's just not getting touchdowns. You know, Sanu is getting, what, Sanu has like two, I think, uh, freaking uh, Calvin Ridley has six. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's teams are double teaming Julio Jones, and that's how they're able to score points because the other guys are getting open. Um, we do know that the Falcons do tend to have a problem in the red zone. Uh, they did fix that uh, for a couple of weeks. It seemed they were able to finally start scoring a ton of points and giving productive um, touchdowns, you know, or drives inside the twenty, which they had been notoriously bad at, especially in Week One against the Eagles when I lost money thinking that they could cover for me. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it just, you know, it seems like when they get inside at 20 and you have 22, the, you know, those giant bodies crammed inside, you know, those 20 to whatever, then you get down to 10, 10 yards. I mean, that's a lot of bodies. I don't know if Matt Ryan needs more space to throw to. I don't know if he needs a guy like Shanahan, you know, who's making it, or getting him a lot of open looks and a lot of creative play calling. Uh, not to knock on Sarkeesian, but, you know, I just really don't see you know, all the time, certain, you know, certain play calling that you'd like to see in the red zone. And that's mainly because Julio Jones is getting the damn ball in the end zone. I mean, he's an absolute monster. There are so many pass interference calls nowadays where like, why, why not just throw the ball up to him and a couple of downs, you know, let him go moss the guy or let him get a PI. I mean, he's an absolute monster. Give him way more opportunity. What do you think partner? Do I have a gripe here or am I just being a negative Nancy? Well, you definitely have a gripe because, he does everything on the field that you'd want a star receiver to do. And it's been a problem for Julio Jones for the last, gosh, I don't know, four or five years. I mean, his, his career, I think the most touchdowns he's had in his career is like six or seven. He's never been a touchdown scorer. In fact, I I compare him to um, the Don Juan of, with an ED, EDD problem. Now, hear me out here. Okay, so Don Juan with an EDD problem is Julio Jones because he's all sexy in between the 20s, gives everything he wants, does the moves, gets all that stuff. But when it comes time to score, he just can't get it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a pretty damn good analogy there, partner. But, yeah, seriously, I mean, it's, 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 hey. The six, the six. Uh, he's looking for six points, and uh, you know, other. Oh, man, I just want to make some jokes there, but I'm going to leave that one hanging. Um, <laughs> oh, but no, I mean, it definitely it is a very good analogy because when it comes crunch time, and when it comes time to punch it in, he is not getting it done, and that's just incredibly frustrating. I mean, shit, he, I mean, he was being drafted. You know, some of our league, some guys are taking them top three receiver. You know, that's not the craziest thing, but. If they're taking him over guys like Michael Michael Thomas of the Saints or Odo Beckham Jr., uh, Keenan Allen's been doing pretty well. He was one of those guys, uh, Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen, right around that area too. I mean, it's just oh, it's so frustrating. You know, you really gotta, you really gotta, you know, keep hoping that Julio's gonna score at least maybe three or four touchdowns this year and just give you a ton of PPR points uh, and value. But if you're in a non PPR league, maybe Julio Jones is a guy that you should look away from. Now, partner, here, right before we go here, Arizona has been a mess. They have no quarterback. Uh, Fitz has been all over the place. Uh, really, you know, he's been injured, and he doesn't really have a consistent quarterback. Uh, David Johnson's finally scoring points again for me, getting back up to 15 to 20 points. He had one down week against the Rams, I believe, where he scored six points. It was brutal, but, uh, you know, I'm going to look for Arizona, hopefully, to be in a lot of high-scoring games. I'm going to give up a good amount of points to my Niners. Uh, they, they, they did score a good amount of points, too, on my terrible Niners defense. So, uh, just hoping that 
David Johnson, you know, keeps on churning and proves to be a good pick by me over uh, a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, which now is kind of scary, but we're going to hope and cross our fingers. Well, I did the same exact thing in my uh, my league. I picked David Johnson over Ezekiel Elliott, so I'm right there with you. I'm hoping for, for the continuous uh, scoring of David Johnson, and hopefully, he, he, you know, the one thing that he's lacking right now that I'm really kind of surprised about is receptions. He's just not getting the receptions that uh, in his first couple years that he got, and it's it's really hurting his PPR value. Hey, just like just like your Colts, the, the, they're all missing Bruce Arians, right? Bruce Arians leaves, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, partner. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Oh man, but yeah, you know, I'm hoping that they're able to scheme up some ways to get DJ scoring, you know, kind of get things going. But that will be talked for next show. So, partner, thanks so much. I had a freaking blast. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, me too, Nico. I really appreciate the time, and it's always great to talk football with you or any sport exactly. So uh, have a great rest of your week, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow me at RFL Red Zone, and you can follow my partner at Nico Sagona. So, everybody, have a great, great day, and we'll see you.